is Paul. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis. As Joel already said, we want to welcome you here with us today, especially on this Father's Day weekend. So happy Father's Day uh, to all of the dads in the room. And uh, this morning, I, I want to talk to you about church and why I love my church. You know, we're in this series called Summer of Love. So we're talking about all the different ways that the Bible addresses love, and, and one of those ways is certainly uh, when it comes to the local church. But before we do that, uh, many of you know that our student pastor, our love student pastor, Jose, his wife, Leanne, and two kids uh, are going to be leaving our staff, leaving our church uh, at the end of July. Uh, they are moving back after nine years to the Quad Cities area uh, where Jose's parents are from. His parents are uh, aging, and Jose and Leanne have really felt it on their heart to go back to be close to them, to help take care of them uh, in this season of life. And so we are so sad to see them go. They have been a wonderful, amazing part, uh, not only of our student ministry, but of our church. And uh, But we're thankful for the heads up from Jose, and uh, that's just meant that we've been able to do some work, some praying, some interviewing, and uh, if you're on our church email list, uh, this past week we sent out an email saying, we got good news. Uh, we have hired a new student pastor here at Genesis. I got a picture of Matt and Abby Wheeler and their daughter Magdalene here. Uh, you can clap with me. Um, you're going to get a chance to meet them, but uh, Matt and Abby are from central Indiana, but went to Johnson University down in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, graduated from school there, and then served at a church for three and a half years as a student pastor, and then really felt the call, especially as they added to their family, to get back to central Indiana. They've been in the community for about a year. I had a chance to, met, to meet Matt and Abby a year ago to invite them to Genesis, and they started coming, and they've been a part of our church uh, for the last year, and so we are so grateful to hire not only Matt, but Matt and Abby, uh, their family, their growing family, as they're expecting another in October, uh, but uh, Matt and Abby are going to start, Matt's going to start officially next weekend with us, and, uh, but before that, he's going to be with our high school students Wednesday night, he's going to be with our middle school, school students next Sunday night, and then he's going to move uh, with Jose and Michael, and we've got something like 40 students going to move next week, and then to mix as well, and so they're in the room today. They're actually in the back. I see them back there. Matt and Abby, will you stand up? And Magdalene, too. Will you guys just join me in thanking them once again? You guys have no idea what you're getting yourselves into, but uh, welcome. No, we're so thankful for Matt and Abby. And I've asked them. They're going to be in the lobby today after the service. Go meet them and say hi and welcome them. Uh, they're wonderful people. And again, we are so excited uh, to welcome them to the Genesis team. All right? Let me pray for us as we uh, continue today. Father in heaven, thank you. Uh, thanks for the way you love um, us, the way that you love this church, the way you provide with people, with resources, with staff. We are so grateful for the Torres. Uh, they have blessed our lives and the lives of our students in so many ways. And, uh, and we're thankful for the Wheelers. Uh, Father, that you've got a great plan and that part of your plan was to bring Matt and Abby and Magdalene to central Indiana and uh, we're excited, Lord, uh, that you've called them uh, for this next season in our church to join an amazing team of volunteers in our growing student ministry. Uh, God, we want to help many more students find their way uh, to Jesus. And so thank you. We trust you. And uh, thanks for your presence here with us today. Lead and guide us now during this time and uh, through every word that I share. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of attending and serving some uh, amazing churches uh, throughout the course of my life. It all started back with Cherry Hills Baptist Church in Springfield, Illinois, the church I grew up in. Uh, next to my parents, I credit the people uh, of Cherry Hills for helping me get started in my faith. And I went off to college here in central Indiana and attended a diff- couple of different churches in college. But in 2000, Jenny and I entered full-time pastoral ministry and Uh, starting with the First Church of God in St. Joseph, Michigan. Maybe some of you have vacationed or spent a long weekend in St. Joe, a a 100-year-old church. Jenny and I spent five great years in Michigan, again, a great church uh, with a lot of awesome people. And from there, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where for three years I served as the college and young adult pastor at Southeast Christian Church, a really large church. Uh, I had, the uh, again, the privilege of watching God do some amazing things uh, during our time there. But as much as Jenny and I loved our time at Southeast, we both realized we wouldn't be there for long. In fact, it became really kind of a training ground uh, for me, especially in ministry. And uh, we sensed that God had one more location in mind for us, a, a community that we would move to, uh, a place that we would call home, a church that we would embrace, dig roots, uh, plant roots, raise our kids in. And we had this hunch or I'd say at least a prayer that it was going to be in central Indiana. And I'll never forget the day that Jenny and I were driving home uh, from Florida. We were uh, passing through Birmingham, Alabama. We had been down there for a youth conference with our previous church. And I checked my voicemail, and I had a message from a guy by the name of Steve Wallen. Now, Steve Wallen is our campus pastor, executive pastor today. But back then, he was the chairman of our elder team. And uh, he called, he left a message to tell me that Genesis was searching for a new pastor. My name had come up, and they wondered if I'd be willing to have a conversation. And I remember putting down the phone uh, as Jenny was driving and uh, telling her, hey, this is what's up. This is the message I just got. And she immediately started crying and said, that's it. Like, I know this is what we've been praying for. I, am, I, I know this is where God is going to lead us. And sure enough, in August 2008, Jenny, Joel, it, two-month-old Kate and I moved. Now, you say, that, well, that's Disney World. Well, yes, this was, we went to Disney World right after we came on staff with Genesis. That was a previously planned trip, but uh, this is just a picture of, well, what this family looked like when we moved here back in 2008, and as I watch my kids grow today, it's just kind of a reminder to me of our time here, and again, so grateful that the Lord called us to to Noblesville, to Genesis Church. There's no other place we'd rather be. It's been a great 14 years. We're praying for a whole bunch more. I don't know how you feel about it, but as I was thinking about sharing with you today and even this message in this series, I well, I, I can't help but just say it like this. I, I love this church. I do. This, this church is home for me. This church is family for me, and I love the church for more than that. I love this church for multiple reasons. In fact, the first thing I'm going to say is one of the reasons I love this church is I love our Savior. Um, I love our leader. I love our founder, uh, Jesus Christ. In in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus took his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And this is a map we've been looking at regularly. Again, this is the uh, country of Israel, uh, Jerusalem being here in the center, the Sea of Galilee where Jesus spent so much of his time to the north. Um, Caesarea Philippi is about 25 miles north of Bethsaida here on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus went there with his disciples. It was a 
uh, pagan city steeped in uh, Greek and Roman culture. There were temples to the Greek god Pan. Child sacrifice was a regular part of the worship there. It was from this setting that Jesus asked this of his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Again, we read, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter, one of his disciples, answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Those words, the Messiah. It's a Hebrew word meaning anointed one. Peter says, Jesus, you are the one. You're the one we've been waiting for. You are God's chosen one. You are our king and deliverer. And how did Jesus respond in verse 17? Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And then look at Jesus' words here. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. Jesus said, note his words, I will build my church. Who's the founder? Jesus is. It's his church, and it means a whole lot to him. How much? The Apostle Paul says this about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the second half. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus gave up his life for the church. He died on the cross for the sake of the church. And when we say church, we're talking about both the worldwide movement of Jesus followers since the days of Jesus on earth, and we're also talking about individual churches like Genesis Church. Jesus started the church. The church was his idea. It's very important to him and an important part of what he's doing to make things right in this world today. And that's why I have a hard time when I hear people say, well, I, I like Jesus, but I'm not really interested in the church. Or I follow Jesus, but I don't really have time for the church. Don't forget that Jesus started the church. It was his idea. He laid down his life for the church. It's very important to him. The New Testament makes it very clear how important the church is, all right, Christ's church to his continuing work of redemption and restoration in this world. I mean, just look at the book of Acts, the history of the early church. Acts chapter 1 starts out with Jesus ascending into heaven. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends on the first followers, the first disciples. By the end of Acts chapter 2, the church is born. From day one, the church was this movement that led to people trusting Christ and, and surrendering their lives to him. People were baptized. There's example after example of people caring for one another. There were uh, individuals and churches that were sharing meals together. They gave their financial gifts to help support missions and, and, and to meet the needs of their own community. They worshiped together like we're doing this morning. They prayed together. And as you continue through the New Testament, you see example after example of elders serving, there are men and women leading, there are mission trips to new places, there's instructions on how to worship and how to share communion together. And what was the result? Well, in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 is just one example. You see these words over and over again that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the church. Jesus started it, and it means a whole lot 
to him. There are at least three symbols that we see in the New Testament that describe Jesus' relationship with the church. We just got done singing about one of them. That first is that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, when Peter says, You also like living stones, all right, so get this example, this picture in your mind, are being built, individuals, our people are, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter continues, and he references uh, the book of Zephaniah, I think this is. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The, the cornerstone is a critical piece to the foundation, to the structure to the building. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. You remove Jesus and you got nothing, all right? You just got a community center, if you would. But Jesus Christ is the critical element. He is the cornerstone to the church and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The other example that we see is that he is both the head and the body. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul or Peter, Paul speaking about marriage. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And so he is the head, all right? We are like the hands and feet of Jesus, all right? We're, we're like the body. The, the head and the body are inseparable for one another. You could say we are the visible representation of Jesus Christ to this community that he's called us to. And so he is the cornerstone. He is the head and body. And finally, he is like a groom. He is like a groom. Jesus is like a groom who deeply and dearly loves his bride, the church. Again, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do? He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The Bible offers this picture of Jesus as the perfect groom who deeply loves his bride, his beautiful bride, the church. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, I showed a picture of our wedding day. I remember our wedding day. I remember uh, watching Jenny come down the aisle, and when she did, I, I lost it. I did. It's true. I, I started crying, and I couldn't turn it off. Uh, in fact, it just continued. I just kind of kept blubbering uh, throughout the whole service. In fact, at one point, Jean, Jenny leaned over and said, get a grip, crybaby. Um, she didn't. She didn't say that. I, I promise she didn't. But I know she was thinking it. I, she was thinking it to herself like, like what, am, what am I getting into here? Like, what's your, what's your deal? Uh, I love the picture of Jesus presented as presented in the book of Revelation because the disciple John describes the day that Jesus is going to return from heaven for his church like a groom coming for his bride. And the picture that John provides is one of Jesus returning. And one of the first things he's going to do is he is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. For those of us who put our faith and trust in him, we know we will live with him forever in all of eternity. I don't know about you, but I love my church. I love Genesis, and one of the big reasons I love this church is because I love our Savior. But the second thing is this. I, I love our church because I do. I love, I love our people. I, I think the people of this church are one of those things that makes it so special. Uh, 
Back to Matthew chapter 16, again, Jesus and his disciples are there at Caesarea Philippi, and again, Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven, and he says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of, of Hades will not overcome it, and then he continues, he says, Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The idea here is that Jesus is setting apart Peter uh, as a leader in this new movement that he's launching. And he tells you, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I've been giving my keys up more and more to my sons these days as they're both driving, all right? If, you, if you're a parent of a driver, you, you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus ain't talking about driving vehicles here. And, and there's some debate over exactly what Jesus means, but I like what Bob Russell says about it. He points out how a key is used, right, to open a door. And it's in Acts chapter 2, if you know your history, that Peter will preach the first sermon in Jerusalem under the power and direction of the Holy Spirit, opening the door for thousands of Jewish people who are going to turn to Christ. And again in Acts chapter 10, it's Peter who speaks to a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius, opening the door for many Gentiles to turn to Jesus. I find hope in Jesus' willingness to use a guy like Peter, because Peter wasn't perfect. All right, And if you know anything about Peter, you know that he had weaknesses, he had a lot of mistakes. It's true of me. I got a lot of weaknesses. I've certainly made some mistakes. It's the same of, of you and, and really our church. We're not perfect. Uh, we've made mistakes. There are no perfect churches. Unfortunately, there have been far too many examples uh, throughout our country of uh, the abuse and misuse of power by pastors, by churches, by leaders, by Christians over the years. Peter was a flawed man. But Jesus loved him. And, and over time, Jesus was able to mold and shape this man into someone who would be used as an incredible instrument for the Lord in this world. And, and why would Jesus do that? Like, why would he take a flawed person like Peter? Why would he take a flawed person like you or me? That's what Jesus does, right? He, he saves us. He redeems us. He puts his Holy Spirit in us as we surrender our lives under his authority and leadership, I mean, there's example after example of Jesus bringing good things from it. It's kind of like a great mosaic. If you're an artist or if you appreciate art, which is made up of uh, potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of pieces of broken glass. But once those have all been arranged by an artist, form this breathtaking picture. In the same way, Jesus is the perfect artist capable of doing great things through imperfect people through his church. And so I love this church. I love this church because I love the people. It's true. I, I love you. Most of you, that is. Most of you, I, some more than others, right? But, but I love this church. And seriously, one of the reasons that I, I love Genesis is I, lo I love the way you serve. I lo love the way the people of this church serve in, in places like Gen Kids with our, and, and with our students. I, I love the way you welcome and, and pray with people as they're coming here. I love the stories of men and women who take vacation time to accompany our students to conferences like Move and Mix. I love the stories of those of you who go beyond the walls of this church to serve in your school, to serve in your neighborhood, where, where you work or with some other exciting new ministry opportunities. I love the generosity that you demonstrate over and over again. I love the willingness to take the gifts that God has given you, the skills that he has put 
in your DNA and how you and God uses them to help others find their way back to God. You might remember a few weeks ago, I told you about Dave and Garrett Olges. They attend Genesis. Uh, they had the opportunity to go to Poland uh, in June and, or in May, actually, and serve uh, there uh, to serve some of the refugees that have immigrated into places like Warsaw. And uh, we got to send them. We, because of your generosity, we, we took care of that to make sure that they could go there and serve for a week. Dave's a, a therapist and was able to go and do some intentional training with some of the therapists there uh, in Warsaw. But I just kind of asked Dave, I said, hey, would you just write down a little bit about what that experience was like for you? And, and here's what Dave shared. He says, as you know, the war with Ukraine was started by Russia just over three months ago now. He says, our family has had the, had the privilege of being a part of a, a, a ministry called Mission to Ukraine for the past 22 years. The folks at MTU serve children with disabilities and their families and help to provide resources for those with a crisis pregnancy. He says, over those years, we've become friends with many families in Ukraine, some we've known since day one. We consider them our own family. He adds, when the, with the invasion, <clears throat> many of our friends were displaced to other countries. Uh, and so Garrett and I went to Poland with two goals in mind. The first was to spend time with our friends as they're still finding places to live. And the second was to provide a, a training in mental health first aid to healthcare professionals. To say that God showed up was an understatement. He says, not only were we able to see and support our friends, we were able to help many of their relatives too, like one young couple, Oleg and Tanya. They're living in a 300-square-foot apartment with 11 of their in-laws. Ooh, can you imagine? 11 of your in-laws. But they say, we were able to secure a second small apartment for them with utilities and beds for everyone. Never in my life did I think God would do so much with what we had to give. Later in the week, we were able to help a dear friend and her family immigrate to America. They're living here in Indy, where she's teaching as a professor for the next year. And that training in mental health first aid, God brought nearly 150 healthcare professionals uh, to our time and training together, all of whom were currently working both in and outside of Ukraine to help the Ukrainian people. He says, it really is true. Just like the few fish and a couple of loaves, all you have to do is offer God what you have to give and watch as he does so much more with it. I'm so glad he insists on working with his people to change the world. And uh, again, I'm just so grateful that Dave and Garrett had that opportunity, that we got to be a part of that and supporting them too. But it's, it's just one more example uh, of Christ's church and, and really how special people are. We are like the living stones, you know, with the cornerstone of, of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, we confuse the church for a building. Buildings are helpful, all right, but the building is not the church. The church is made up of people. And I love this church, and I love the people. In fact, Genesis is really an answer to prayer for my family because as much as Jenny and I prayed for a community in which we would raise our kids, we prayed for a church that our kids would also call their church home. We prayed for the relationships that our kids would form here. So many of you have just done a great job not only loving me and Jenny but loving our kids, and you've taught them in places like Gen Kids. You've cared for them. Uh, in our student ministry, and you've just encouraged them as they're going through life. And so thank you. Thank you for that. And finally, number three, I, I love my church because I love our mission. 
I love our mission, helping people find their way back to God. Hopefully you've heard us say that if you've spent some time with us. I remember one of my first days on staff here, I sat down in my office with the goal of coming up with a brand new mission statement uh, for our church. I thought that's what you did as a lead pastor. And uh, and so I remember sitting down at my desk that day, and it hadn't been long when I felt I clearly heard the Lord say, Paul, if you change the mission statement, I will kill you. I'll take you out. Uh, Well, he didn't really say that. But I just, I, I had this sense after a while of, no, like this is, like this is kind of the heartbeat of our church. And and so I've learned to love our mission statement. It comes right from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 20, which talks about what Christ has done for us, that when you surrender your life to Jesus, uh, you are a new creation. You're given a new identity with a new purpose, a new mission for living in this world. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul, Paul talks about this mission of reconciling people. Uh, some translations say of helping others find their way to Jesus. And that's our mission. It's a mission that was given to us by Jesus. It's what Jesus meant when he said, I want you to go into all of the world and make disciples. The verb tense for that word go and that commission there suggests this idea of as you are going. Meaning in everything that you do. As you're going through life. Even this afternoon and all of your interactions at the store, at the gym. Like we represent Jesus at all times, in all places, with our words and with our actions. And the book of Acts presents this picture of the first church uh, sharing their faith, living this out, doing this wherever they go, giving generously to the work of Jesus all around the world. I hope you know that's the kind of church we want to be. All right, That's what we're chasing after as well. We want to be a church that is first and foremost committed to our Savior, but also a church that's also committed to our mission. And that's why we support other ministries around the world and here locally that are also helping people find their way back to God. Ministries like Last Bell Ministries operating in Ukraine and Opportunities Now serving in Myanmar and Nehemiah Vision Ministries in places like Haiti. Like We want to be a part of what God's doing here locally with ministries like Food for Souls and their work of serving those without homes in the greater Indy area. We've been supporting Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis and Young Life here in Hamilton uh, County for years now with with prayers, with people, with space, with financial support. We support missionaries in Scotland and the Caribbean and in Central Asia. We've helped plant churches like Movement Church in Cincinnati and New Heights Church in Indianapolis, Reality Church in Miami, and this growing church movement uh, in Albania. But it's not just beyond the walls of this building. There are ministries of this church that are helping people find their way back to God. Right now, there are hundreds of kids between Noblesville and Carmel that are being cared for and loved through our Gen Kids ministry. Again, in both Carmel and Noblesville. Next week, we're going to send 40 high school students and leaders for a week to the MOVE conference in Holland, Michigan. In just a few weeks, 50 of our middle school students and leaders are going to spend a week together at the MIX conference in Marion, Indiana. We have over 700 people right now attending worship services at Genesis each week, as well as a growing number of people that are checking out Genesis Church online. Our groups ministry is growing. I'm excited to say that this August we're going to get back to work with many of our kingdom worker training events. That might be one of the most important things that we do, by the way. Because as important as Sundays are to us, as important as worship services are, I think our best efforts in the future and helping people find their way back to God are really going to be beyond the walls of this building. 
Again, it's the work that we do every single day in our everyday interactions. It's evidenced in the prayers that we pray. It's the words we share and the uh, generosity that we demonstrate as we're going, as we're doing life each and every day. Why do I love Genesis? I love the people. I love our mission more than anything. I love our Savior. He gave his life for us. He gave up his life on the cross. How could we not do the same in return? There's a story I like to tell. If you've been around Genesis as long as I have, I know you've heard it before. Forgive me, but that's what happens when your lead pastor's been around for 14 years. But uh, uh, growing up, I loved playing basketball. And uh, I had some ups. I really did. In fact, I just want to point out I'm wearing jeans in this picture, right? And indoor soccer shoes, and I'm up there on that rim. But I should also point out to you that that is a sloped driveway. And... Uh, it might be 10 feet, it could be a few inches shy, and it is a mini ball all at the same time. But uh, I love to play basketball. The, the, the problem was I just, I wasn't good enough. So I played for a couple of years in high school and then a lot of intramurals and open gyms until just a few years ago. But in 2001, I got an invitation uh, to go to Kazakhstan uh, with Athletes in Action, which is a ministry, a branch of Crew, if you've heard of Crew. And uh, it's a sports ministry, and, and I should be clear that I wasn't invited as an athlete. I got invited as a pastor to go along with this team that was made up of Division I basketball players, guys who had played at Miami and Harvard and Iowa and some other places. And so this team was scheduled to play a week-long tournament against some professional teams in, uh, from different parts of Asia. And so I went to Kazakhstan with them. The first game rolled around. We were playing in this cool arena and I was ready to take my uh, seat behind the bench and just cheer on our guys as they played when the head coach surprised me, pulled out a jersey and said, hey, Paul, how would you like to dress with us? And, uh, and so I did. And um, I got to warm up with the team. I had my name called in the lineups you can see here. Uh, they even pronounced, pronounced my name right in uh, Kazakhstan. But uh, it was a thrill for me to, to just have this feeling like, hey, you know, I'm part of a team. I, I get be, get to be a part of something like who would have thought that this guy from central indiana that you know had some ups on his driveway would get a chance to stand in an arena with legit basketball players and have a moment like this it was a reminder to me that sometimes things don't work out the way that we want to but man when you surrender your life it like he's got something bigger planned something better for all of us but something else that was fun we were in one of these games we were playing a team from china and our guys were up by like 30 with just a few minutes left in the game and wouldn't you know it coach farwell looked down the bench and he said, hey, Muma, why don't you get in there and play the last few minutes? And so I did. I subbed in. I was just like Ollie from Hoosiers. I rushed into the game. I got a few minutes out on the court. I got a shot, actually. I remember I, it was right from the elbow. And it went in, like it bounced around in the rim and it popped out. Like, and I did set a charge. I, and then after those five minutes, I set a charge. But the, afterwards, the coach asked me not to do that again. I mean, I got clobbered. And he said, I won't have to medevac you back to the U.S., all right? So don't do that uh, again. But let, let me say this before I close. If your life has been saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ, uh, if you call Genesis your church, this is your family, here's what I want you to know today. We got a jersey for you. But I don't want you to just sit on the bench. I want to ask you to get in the game with us. 
right now, we've got more kids coming to Genesis than ever before. We need some help in our growing Gen Kids ministry. Um, our student ministry is growing. I, I got a hunch that God is about to blow up in a really positive way what's happening here to help us reach even more students. Uh, we've got people that are looking for relationships, looking to get connected to this church community. Some of you, man, if you'd be willing to open your home and to welcome others in. There are ministries that are serving here on Sundays that need assistance, but also throughout the week. There are local ministries that need our help, ministries that we partner with. Man, we could use some people that would be willing to say, hey, I'll organize some teams. Uh, I'll get some people connected with places like Shepherd Community Center. If you subbed out these past couple of years and probably for some legit reasons, but maybe haven't jumped back in yet, would you get back in with us? We'd love to have you in the game. Get on board be a part of the collective generosity of this church. Let's reach this community for Jesus. I don't know how much time we have left. But let's give our all for the sake of the one who gave his all that others may know Christ too. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for this church. And I thank you for your son, Jesus who makes it all possible. It gives us life and hope and redemption. It gives us a mission worth living, a reason to live in this world. It's all because of you, Jesus. And we thank you for the life that you lived, the example that you demonstrated, and for your sacrifice. Father, I pray that even this time as we reflect on what you accomplished with your life, let that get a hold of us in a life-changing way. That we might begin asking or asking once again or continue asking, what does it look like for me to lay down my life as well? We trust you, Lord. Our hope is in you. We need you. We're following you. We're chasing after you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?